Good morning, Wisconsin. So let's pour that coffee and talk to some experts about what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Should we talk about the government? Happy Friday, everybody. I've been looking forward to this show all week. I, I love these guys. We love you, too. We love you. Uh, it's a love. It's a happy love fest on this Friday. I love talking to you guys because the great thing about the, being on Friday, all the week's events all like pile into this thing, and we can kind of pick and choose. And there's never any news, right? <laughs> That's the thing. I, half the time, I'm like looking at the news day to day, and I'm like, i got to remember this for Friday. And right. 17 other crazy yeah. things happen. Well, this is kind of, you know behind the scenes, but we, we have this running three-way text thing. It's like, I think you must have sent me 50 things yesterday. <laughs> There's no way we can do 50 things in an hour. What do we have, half, half an hour of talk time? So, look, we had the uh, the Hovde, um, the big uh, the splash. The Polar Plunge. Yeah. yeah. Polar Plunge, is that what it is? I think it is, okay. yeah. He referred to it as a cold plunge, yeah, which not I associate more thing. with going to the spa. Yeah. A yeah. polar plunge is a thing you do on January 1st. Or is that Michigan. what they call it in California? It could oh. be, and I'm not sure that's what he was trying right. to accomplish Put there. that one on ice for a we're, second. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> All right, so. Think shrinkage. As luck would have it, the two candidates, probably, for the election for president in November, were both in Texas yesterday, right? Yesterday. What were they doing there? Border battle. <laughs> right. And Border what were battle. they saying? More importantly, what were they saying? You or me? Uh, I'll start. Hey, listen, Trump. Trump won the day yesterday. He went to uh, Eagle Pass, which is sort of the super highway for yeah. uh, illegal alien crossing, and, and was with the governor of Texas and basically said Joe Biden can solve this if he wanted to. I had the tools when I was president. If I'm president again, I'm going to solve this on day one. Uh, you know, in true Trump fashion, he's waving at the migrants on the other <laughs> side, and they're yelling his name. They knew it was him. Uh, which was kind of funny. Um, I think from a photo op standpoint, uh, it worked better for Trump. He looked actually pretty vigorous. Uh, Biden looked old and feeble uh, at uh, Brownsville, Texas, which is not a major crossing at this point in time. The guards were with Trump. Um, so I, I think overall, net-net, Trump wins yesterday for sure. And if the, the election this fall is about immigration, that's a net plus for Trump, for sure. And we'll get to it at some point, but the polling numbers in the swing states look really good for Trump. And President Biden was there with members of the Border Security Agent Union who endorsed the legislation that would have allowed Joe Biden to secure the border. Toughest border security bill in maybe American history that Donald Trump has spiked. He told Republicans, don't come to the table, don't do this. After Republicans for months said, we will do a border bill and if you do a border bill and it secures the border, then you'll get money for Ukraine. And then when the toughest border security bill in American history was negotiated and put before them, Donald Trump said, don't do it. And they didn't do it. Right, let's so I, let's I, get beyond the talking points. So it could, first of all, can the president right now control the border without any action by Congress? He needs additional resources and tools. He just does. The, the flow of more migrants, money. Yes, because you have to hire Border agents, you have to hire more judges to process asylum claims and to make sure that there are things like ankle monitors to monitor folks if they are let into the community so that you make sure you know where they are. That stuff ain't free. And I thought the most Joe Biden moment of the day was our politics is nasty. These guys don't like each other. Yeah. True. But Biden's message to Trump was 
Join me. Let's get this done. And, of course, Trump won't do that because he'd rather have the political issue to run on than an actual solution to the problem. And that is Donald Trump in a nutshell. Trump was, uh, when he was president, the border was far more secure. The facts just bear that out. And I, and there there are some process discussions. I don't like doing that because voters don't generally don't understand that. But the truth is Chuck Schumer could bring that bill to the Senate floor any day he wanted to. He chooses not to do that. And would Mike Johnson do the same? Uh, no, well, let's see said if it, he wouldn't. Let's see if it gets through the Senate. <laughs> okay. I mean, you got to well, start mean, in one house. The House passes things all the time that the Senate has no interest in. So why wouldn't the Senate just throw it back to the House? At least make the points. I I think they were afraid of the talking points about 5,000 illegals a day and 1.8 million per year. I think they, once that thing saw the light of day, there may have been a lot of good things in there. I'm not saying there wasn't. But the thing that got the most attention was that it still allowed up to 5,000 per day or, you know, 1.8 million per year or 1.6 million. That's that's a lot. And Americans are like, enough. Let's call time out on that and do something stronger. Ankle bracelets resources, whatever whatever the answer is, there's a ton of Americans, you know this, Bill, that say there shouldn't be people coming across the border and then let go with an ankle bracelet or whatever. That's not how it's supposed to work. Now, I know the reality is that's how it's worked for a long time. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to wave a magic wand and then stop people from wanting to come to America? I believe it's the stay in Mexico is the, uh, the common mantra that's right. talked about. For sure. Let them it, deal with that problem. Look, I, I'm pro-immigration, Legal immigration. I don't like a system, and, and Bill's right, this has exploded in the last three years, where people are just coming across, we lose track of them, and then we have unfortunate isolated incidents where they do something that ends up with hurting an American citizen. That bothers me as just a regular voter. And the conversation we have about it is more reasonable than most Republicans and most of the media, including on the right, do. And that's part of the problem, is it is easy to demagogue this issue and scare people, it is hard to actually solve the problem. There hasn't been a really, you know, comprehensive or you know important major since immigration Reagan. bill since Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's, that's before right. I was ten years old. So why the why the dysfunction on this issue? I believe it right now. Democrats are willing to give more than they ever have before. If you look at the text of what Lankford and Murphy and Cinema came up with. There was no path to citizenship for dreamers. There was no path to you know citizenship for folks who have been here. Those have always been things that Democrats said, you want border a border bill, you got to get those. Democrats said, okay, that's fine. Let's just do border security. The bill that was negotiated is just border security. Democrats are willing to give on this. That's how a compromise you know happens. And it's like they called Republicans bluff on it. And Republicans, starting with Donald Trump, said, we would rather run on this issue than solve the problem. Could I make a parallel between this and, and, the, and the Merrick Garland decision? Let him just sit out there and not ever vote on his, you know, nomination to the Supreme Court. Isn't it the same thing? Republicans are basically gambling. We can wait till next year, no problem. Let them deal with the uh, with all the and fallout. the gamble against Garland worked out. Yeah, I mean, it did. It's part of Mitch McConnell's. Uh, the good part of his legacy is that he stole a Supreme Court seat. He stole a Supreme Court seat and got three conservatives on there. No he, question he about it. He played politics brilliantly. He did from a Republican conservative perspective. At his it peak, worked. he was a master tactician for sure. He's well beyond his peak. All right, gentlemen. As always on Friday, Bill McCashin, Republican strategist, Joe Zapecki, Democratic version of that. So much more to get to. We've got a Senate race to talk about. Big splash in Madison <laughs> and more. Political Power Hour on WTMJ. 
Producer Charlie playing tricks on me. It sounded like a, like a commercial break there. I kind of like the like the vibe of it though. It's relaxing on a Friday, you know, with all this interesting news. And we haven't spent a ton of time talking about the Senate race. There just hasn't been much to talk about. Oh, but, there is now. But yesterday <laughs> was, was yesterday the release day of this this big splash commercial. Yesterday was the splash and the release. Yeah, yeah, both in the same day. I believe so. Eric Hovde he picked a nice day, sort of. I mean, he probably could have waited this Except weekend. There was still ice on the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, I was thinking about that. It's like, <laughs> Tell where did you we're find talking ice? About. Not yeah. everyone is as online right. as we are. All right, so Eric Hovde, the, the Republican, one of the nominees. We haven't had other ones yet, and we'll see if that happens. We won't. We're just sitting here waiting for Scott Mayer. Nah, not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, so he's he's trying to get the the public's attention to his candidacy, uh, running against Tammy Baldwin, a two-term U.S. senator, junior senator from Wisconsin, uh, who, let's be honest, has kicked butt in her elections. Which always surprises me because every other race is close, and then hers is like, "What happened there?" But so he's he's literally making a splash, jumped into Lake Mendota. Joe tells me, right? Recorded this 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 campaign ad. So what is he trying to tell us? So Tammy Baldwin desperately wants this race to be about California and abortion. Eric Hovde runs a successful bank in California, but he also has multiple businesses in Wisconsin, very successful. Long history of Wisconsin businesses. His father was a developer in real estate here. Eric grew up in Madison, graduated from UW-Madison. He did move away for a period of time. He went to D.C., but he's been back now for 12 or 14 years. His daughter graduated Madison Edgewood High School with my son. So Eric's been a Madison resident all of his life, you know, save a little time out east. Tammy Baldwin wants this to be about Californian abortion, so Eric decided to sort of take the fight to her on the California and hopped in Lake Mendota yesterday. He's a regular swimmer. He was diagnosed with MS at a young age and keeps himself in unbelievable physical shape and challenged her to get in the water uh, with him. And this was in, this was sort of what not to do in politics, in my opinion. Tammy Baldwin engaged with Eric Hovde on this. So he's less than two weeks from... I didn't see her response. What was she her responded response? no. No with a heart, heart emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so less than two weeks from his announcement, he has fully engaged his general election opponent, which is unheard of, uh, to the point where both of them got national press off this yesterday. Hovde got much more so. Tammy will probably use it successfully to raise small dollars online. She's done that with pretty much everything so far, and that's to her credit and her team's credit. But the fact that Eric was able to engage her so quickly in this race says a lot of good things about the direction the Hubdy campaign's going. So does it increase or shrink <laughs> his, his favorite <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> I've oh. stipulated. If the Hubdy campaign wants to celebrate getting Tammy Baldwin to respond to him, okay. What this is about is they know they have a vulnerability. They know that the fact that he won Orange County Man of the Year three times. They know the fact that 17 of the last 22 elections, he voted absentee and his absentee ballot was mailed to his Laguna Beach estate. They know they have a vulnerability. In the early days of this race, it is a contest to define Eric Hovde. People know Tammy Baldwin pretty well for a politician, and Hovde hasn't faced voters in more than a decade. And so in these initial couple of weeks, the fight is about defining him. And Democrats want to define him as a guy who owns a $2.8 billion bank in California. I would counter that whatever good there is in getting your opponent to engage is undermined by the fact he's entering the conversation. 
he doth protest too much. And by saying, you know, this isn't for Californians and career politicians, he's just reinforcing a conversation about his Wisconsin bona fides versus the fact that he's a three-time Orange County Man of the Year. That's just a fact. And so, listen, this is not ultimately what is going to determine this race, but it sets a predicate for, you know, what Tammy Baldwin is going to argue is she's fighting for the middle class in Wisconsin, voting that way in Washington, D.C., and Eric Hovde does not have a lived experience that is relatable for many Wisconsinites. Is that in part due to his success? Absolutely. But there's not a lot of ordinary Wisconsinites jumping in Lake Mendota on February 29th. So we're going we're gonna to agree and disagree on this. We're going to agree that that's a potential vulnerability for Eric, uh, as is abortion. Um and we talked about that a little bit last week. We'll continue to talk about that for the next eight months. The fact that he's addressing it this early says this is a pretty smart guy and a pretty smart campaign. They're, they're, they know what they have to hit early on to overcome so that they can make this an issue about Biden, the border, and the economy. If it's about those three things, Eric Covey's in very, very good shape. I asked, I think I asked Joe, maybe, maybe you build before the show, what kind of guy is he? Take the businessman, the, you know, the California, Orange County stuff. I don't care about that. When, since when did being a successful businessman be a negative? Uh, well, Democrats have tried to use that against Tim Michaels and others in the past, and they used it against Ron Johnson in 2010. But, you know, Hubdy's already closer to Baldwin than Ron Johnson was to Russ Feingold at this point in 2010. Was it seven points, something right? like that? Yeah, yeah, on the Emerson College poll, and I think he'll be within the margin of error by April. Well, what uh, kind of guy is he? He's a good guy. So what you see on the camera is pretty much who he is. He's a likable guy. He's relatable. You'd, lo- you'd want to have a conversation with him. He's he's sort of the cool dad kind of thing, and, and that comes across on the videos I can tell you these are mostly his ideas, uh, so it's not like he's coached to do these things. So uh, he's fully engaged in his uh, candidacy, and you know he's playing to win, and I, I give him credit. He's off to a pretty good start. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, the Political Power Hour on Friday. Lots more to talk about. We'll do some of that. Then we have a bottom-of-the-hour news break, of course, right here on the WTMJ. <laughs> Political Power Hour on this Friday. Bill McCotch and Public Strategist Joseph Pecky on the other side of the political aisle. Michigan had a primary, Joe. What did we learn? We So Donald Trump won the Republican primary 68 to 27, basically, against Nikki Haley. It's about a 41, 42 point win. She overperformed the polls. Mm. Again. And on the Democratic side, Joe Biden got 81%. Uncommitted got 13%. And Marianne Williamson, out of nowhere. She's off the top rope. She's back. Back in the race. She came out of the crowd. She's back in the race. Beating Dean Phillips and then unsuspending her campaign, which I've never seen before. Me either. Astonishing. I'm probably the only one in this room that's had a conversation with her. Lucky. I yeah, had her on my show really? once. Did oh, yeah. she bless your crystals? There's some crystal conversation, and I, yeah. I said I, I don't believe in any of that stuff, and I don't even remember what she said about it, but I think she was offended. Yeah, and so I, for me, the takeaway is, as Bill mentioned, Mr. Trump continues to underperform his polls, which is either a sign of more weakness than we thought there was, and I think we both agree there's some weaknesses yeah, for President for sure. Trump. Or there are some Democrats who are just so anti-Trump that they're crossing over and voting in Republican primaries. That may be part of it. But despite losing by more than 40 points, Nikki Haley is full speed ahead through Super Tuesday. She just announced this morning she raised $12 million in February. So this is not over like the Trump folks wanted it to be. How come you're talking so much about the other side, not your guy? Because 81% is 
Good. Yeah, but there's a chunk of non-committed, whatever that was supposed to be, this protest About vote. the same amount of non-committed as when Barack Obama ran for re-election in 2012. So disregard it. it there's, listen, Joe Biden understands that there is a political issue here, and he and his team are working it out. I'm confident they will do so, and I think they have done as good a job as possible in a terrible situation in the Middle East. We could get into that, but I know we don't have a lot of time. So for those of you that are on social media, I encourage you to follow Decision Desk HQ, at Decision Desk HQ. Today, this morning, they just moved Michigan to lean Republican. If Michigan is lean Republican, Trump's going to be the next president. He will be the 47th president. There's just no two ways about that. I think the thing, my takeaway from Michigan is, yeah, Nikki Haley overperformed again. uh, But on the Democratic side, um, Joe Biden underperformed against uncommitted. So there was an effort largely by Muslim Americans and Michigan has a huge population of Muslims uh, to vote uncommitted led by Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. That effort was supposed to get 10,000 votes. They got 100,000 votes. So I think between uh, Joe Biden's Muslim problem and his UAW problem on the EVs, uh, Michigan's very much in play, and if Trump wins there, he's the president. Speaking of Trump, we'll talk a little bit about his uh, Trump trial. Supreme Court jumping into the fray. Lots of conversation on the show yesterday. Uh, so we'll get to that, and uh, one of us got booed yesterday, so we want to mention that, <laughs> to mention that at, at some point. And it wasn't Joe, and it wasn't me. Mm. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday. You know that. It's our political power hour with the the originators of the concept, Bill McCosh and public strategist Joseph The one, the only. The OGs. Yeah. Uh, Although my Thursday team and my Monday team making a quick advance. They're giving us a run for our money? Yeah, and Andy Schwartz on Wednesday. What does the text line say? What do they think? We haven't had that that friendly competition. We're going to have can it. Vote. We might have to have a. Yeah. We might have to do it. Maybe social media is the answer. All right. So social media is never the answer, people. <laughs> I'm reading a new book by Kara Swisher called Burn Book about the tech industry and and Donald Trump and all the ty- the titans of the industry. Boy, she she is concerned about our future when it comes to social media and its impact. Well, I am too. Yeah, it's 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 too. messy and ugly and dangerous. We already, you know, you can talk about the impacts on our young people. We'll probably spend some time doing that on a future show. Let's talk about the Supreme Court. We spent a chunk of yesterday's show, 45 minutes, talking about the impact. The Supreme Court saying we're going to take, we're going to consider this case, this unanimous decision by an appeals court that basically said, no, the president doesn't have immunity. They're taking it. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it probably eliminates Trump's biggest legal barrier prior to the election. The timing that the court has laid out, at most, they'll, at best, they'll make a decision in in uh, well, or, June. Oral arguments are in April, end of April. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure that this will get resolved prior to the election. And this is the one that I, I feared the most. Uh, I, I think there was quite a bit of risk and legal jeopardy for the president on this. But um, the Supreme Court has decided, you know, we're the highest court in the land. We need to be the ones that make the decision on this, like they are going to be the ones that make the decision on knocking Trump off the ballot in right. Colorado. I think that's going to be an eight to one decision in his favor, maybe even nine zero on the immunity thing. My position is actually the same as Joe's, which is I don't believe any president, regardless of party, has blanket immunity. They may have limited immunity that I can accept, but not blanket immunity. And uh, the argument made yesterday by both of my guests was the Supreme Court wants them to be their court to be the deciding factor here, not having a lower court, you know, essentially say this is what it is. Yeah. Historically, maybe that's important, but as as Bill just said, this this means that justice delayed might mean no justice, especially if Donald Trump wins the election. I'm not convinced of that. And before I get to that, I want to remind folks: ninety one 
felony indictments, and there's not a single one where Mr. Trump's defense has been, I didn't do that. It's just not. His whole strategy is about, it's okay that I did it because of who I was. I can't be put on trial for that because it was years ago. He's not disputing and saying I didn't do any of this stuff. And I think that's important to remember. I also still think it is possible that this delay, delay, delay strategy blows up squarely in his face. Because, how so, if, they, how so? because if they do the oral arguments in April and the Supreme Court term ends when it usually does, which is first couple weeks of June, Jack Smith yesterday made a motion for his trial to start July 8th. These trials aren't going to be two-day affairs. And so what might actually end up happening is these trials are closer to the conventions, closer to Election Day. I don't like I think in the end, Trump might regret not getting this stuff out of the way in March, April and May and then turning to the campaign as opposed to the campaign being while he's literally in the courtroom when he should be on a bus tour through swing states. So there's an unwritten rule in D.C. that you can't have charges against charges, candidates in the final 90 trials. days. That's the diff- That's the distinction, though. And, and that's we're going to see how that plays out. But this would be unprecedented to have a trial in that sort of that hundred day stretch it's leading up to the election. It's all unprecedented because yeah, we never had a fair. former president or current president facing 91 felony indictments. So that's an unwritten rule. But there's no real rule that says that. But, again, but, but it's that's the how they can't un- can't announce charges or bring charges. It says nothing about charges already brought, working their way through the courts and a court of law deciding guilt See, or innocence. I think that helps him in the fact that he's able to say election interference. This shouldn't be going on, you know, in the final weeks of a presidential campaign. The American people have a right to know whether this guy, by a jury of his peers, is guilty or innocent of trying to steal the last election. The interesting thing about this is if if they are delayed until after the election and he wins, the Supreme Court's going to be asked another question. Can the president pardon himself? I think the answer on that is yes. I don't know that because I've had we'll legal see. scholars that said it's not that easy. Hmm. And he certainly well, can't pardon himself in civil cases. And we know that Trump's staff have evoked some pretty nasty ideas in American history, which is that, okay, the Supreme Court has made its ruling. Let them enforce it. They are willing to challenge norms and boundaries in the rule of law in ways that were previously unfathomable in American history. That is the point here, and it is why ultimately I believe the American people will do what we have to do, which is resign this guy to the dustbin of history because he is that grave a threat to our system of government. For my friends on the right, I hope you do not cheer for blanket immunity because that is a dictatorship. And we, we do not want that. I can tell you just from my text line, not today, but on other days, there's people that cheer for that. The president should be able to do what the president has to do. No, as that's ugly, a dictatorship. As ugly as that is. If that's what the Supreme Court rules, then Joe Biden can do whatever the heck he wants to prevent Donald Trump from running for president in November. You don't want to live in that America. That's a I don't want to scary live in that place America. for all of us. I described it the other day as the escalation of absurdity and crazy. And if we go down that path... It's hard to come back. Yeah, there's on, no coming on either back. side. Yeah. Bill McCarthy, Joseph Becky, another quick break here on the Political Power Hour. Listening to WTMJ. Got a lovely text for the guys. Political Power Hour, Friday edition. Bill McCarthy, Joseph Becky, picking which day of the week is the best of Steve's show is like picking your favorite child. Hard to do, especially depends on the behavior of those children. But kudos to the Power Hour on Friday. Crew, Dave in the Waukesha area. Thanks, Dave. Dave yeah. in the Shaw. He picked us. I'm saying he picked us. <laughs> I think he's his favorite show. All right. So uh, explain to me, gentlemen. I don't care who starts. Why giving 
resources to Ukraine to fight Russia is such a hard thing for Congress to do. It shouldn't be. Full it's, stop. I, I agree, but here we are. Yeah, I grew up in the party of Reagan where we defeated the Soviet Union (laughs) and won the Cold War. Yeah, Uh, that's the Republican Party I long for and hope we get back to at some point. Why why the silliness on this? I know that everybody's posturing and pivoting to try to get their thing and tying it to other things. But, boy, if you let that country fall, which do they think think Putin's going to go, Okay, that's enough. I'll stop. No, I I mean, it's it's just. Uh, where does it stop? That's the question uh, it, I would ask. It's hard to wrap your head around Republicans in Congress. And I understand it's big and it's messy and there's lots of different people from lots of different parts of the country and the politics of the Republican Party are really messed up right now. Look no further than Donald Trump is creating a crisis in the Mitch McConnell succession plan because we thought it was going to be three Johns and now he wants a Steve in the race. They Republicans in Washington say they're for IVF after this Alabama court ruling and then send Democrats, Tammy Duckworth, who had children via IVF, says, okay, let's pass a federal law to protect IVF. And Senate Republicans go to the floor and block it. So whether it's that, whether it's Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, unable to like get to yes with his conference, and we're just kicking the can on a government shutdown again, it is hard for me to understand how Americans can watch Republicans in Congress and say, yeah, let's give them the keys for a couple years. Let's give them more authority when they're abandoning Ukraine, refusing to say yes on a border deal, can't figure out a government funding plan, can't protect IVF. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, you know, the funny thing about not funny, but the reality is we could see a Trump presidency with both houses of Congress on the other side. What would that be like? I think my betting odds are that the the Senate goes Republican this time. The presidency is up for grabs. The House is likely to go down at this point in time. Mike Johnson, I'm not, I, you know, I haven't been a big fan of how he's gotten out of the blocks so far. He's got an ungovernable conference, in my opinion. You know, and people on my side who think that Matt Gates or Nancy Mace are patriots, they're political terrorists. And that's why Mike Johnson can't get anything done in his conference because there's always a threat of we're going to have a, a call of the speaker. But he could work with Democrats and get this done. And a couple of Democrats. Right now, it's a two-seat majority after the yeah. special election. Yeah. And two Democrats in Congress this year said, if a Republican moves to vacate, we will we will protect Mike Johnson if he brings this stuff to the floor and does the right thing. So he's got some insurance that McCarthy never had. Well, he I, he's still learning the ropes. Uh, I had a conversation with, I'll, I'll say his name, Glenn Grothman about this. And his, his concern was Johnson hadn't had enough D.C. experience before he got that job, right? That's something you got to sort of know the ways of the, of the territory in D.C. Mike Johnson's only been out there six years. That's pretty new uh, by most standards for leadership. And he's learning the hard way on a bunch of these things. Yeah, he's like the, the young man in the room who's just kind of there. and But he's got a very important position. And I think the other leaders in Congress are, are saying, like, are you going to say something here? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean... If you're going to fight for things, you, you, it has to be clear to the American people what you're fighting for and why you're fighting for it. It, is, it appears he's fighting for border security, which is a good thing, but I don't think he's done that well enough that it's fully transparent for all voters. They away from the deal they said they wanted. You, like that's a, what Bill knows is your word has to matter in politics. It's the only thing that matters. Not in like the political campaign ads, yeah. but to get things done in a legislative body to make government work – you have to stick to your word. And Republicans, including Mike Johnson, said, we're only going to do a Ukraine bill if you bring us a border security bill. They were brought a border security bill, and they ran away and said, nope, we, wanted, we don't want to do any of it anymore. So interestingly, the guy who's sort of 
threading the needle here seems to be John Fetterman. And I've brought this up before. He, he is saying, listen, I'm for a grand bargain and we can do most of H.R. 2, which was the Republican conferences version of border security, except for the DACA part. Uh, so he's open to all of it. Uh, and I think over the course of the next 30, 45 days, we may actually see something like that. It's funny. The, the term is putting your big boy pants on, but usually he has shorts on. <laughs> so, like, it makes the and John, his car hard hoodie. Yeah, John Fetterman's yeah. a big man. His shorts yes. are pants on most guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on four guys. Real quick. One of us got booed yesterday. Wasn't me. Wasn't Joe. Bill, what happened? It was me. I, I was on a panel at the uh, Carpenters Union. Uh, it was a fun group. They were fully engaged. Uh, my counterpart was Tony Bjork, a mutual friend of me and Joe's. And uh, she was, you know, sort of giving the talking points about Joe Biden. And I said something about until you guys stuffed the ballots and I got booed. <laughs> oh. And she stopped talking, which, was, you know, so you cut her off, man. I, well, I didn't really cut her off. It was sort of sporty in <laughs> my mind. You were making mind. a joke. I was making a joke. Yeah. It, Trying it, and it failing. It, it didn't go over so <laughs> it well. It was a joke. Yeah. People would have laughed and not booed. But the whole thing wasn't negative. You had a no, good no, conversation no, no. with the carpenters. Yeah, and I ran into a bunch of carpenters in the Capitol later in the day and they came up and. They're good guys. Uh, they're good guys. You and guys. They're good guys. And, 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 and women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, boy, you talk about skills. If you know a friend, if you have a friend who's a carpenter, those are the best skills of someone you know. Because they can always do stuff for you. They can always do stuff. Yeah. I love them. And electricians do. Plumbers, also. <laughs> Pipe fitters. Can you tell? <laughs> sheet metal workers. Can you tell I have some Skill pro- trades. Can tell I have some Laborers, projects in my mind? You got a to do list. <laughs> you got to move furniture first. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I, I shared it with the guys. I got to move furniture all weekend. Not happy about it. Not happy about it. Kathy, pay the money. Pay the pay the money. <laughs> pay the pay money. The, hey, pay the experts. That's right. That's what I'm just talking about. All right. Bill McCotty, Joseph Becky. After the break, the famous now, famous grab bag on the political power hour on WTMJ. All right. About three minutes left with the guys on this Friday uh, political power hour on WTMJ. Grab bag is what it's called. Who's going first? Bill McCoy. I can go first. So I, this is all hockey all the time today. I'm going to my first Badger hockey game tomorrow night. Uh, they play Michigan State. Ever the, or of the season? This season. Okay. <laughs> this is an opportunity for the Badgers to win the Big Ten title if they sweep the series against Michigan State this weekend. Kudos to Mike Hastings, Nick Oliver, Kevin Murdoch, Todd Knott, the coaching staff. They have done an amazing job in their first year, already 23 wins. Uh, I think they're going to go deep into the tournament, and I think they got a chance to make it to the Frozen Four, so kudos to them. And lastly, for high schoolers, this is high school hockey weekend in Madison. Uh, in the single A, New Richmond and St. Mary Springs from Final Act have made it into the championship game. Double A today, local Brookfield is playing Chippewa Falls this morning, this afternoon. My kid's alma mater, Madison Edgewood, plays Green Bay Notre Dame to go to the championship. So good luck to all the participants in the WIAA state hockey tournaments. We probably do more hockey talk than any non-sports show. I, more than the sports shows would be my <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. I I'll love bring hockey. it to a sport people watch. Ho- hockey's a sport i got to get more into. You do. Great athletes. My goodness. The Admirals, Admirals still rolling? No, they, well, no. they're winning again, but they did yeah. lose after their 19th win. Yeah. Okay. Which and, is impressive. And I think they're celebrating it this Friday, today, yes, with a little should. bar Free beer, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and by the way, um, John Greenberg, the president, told me to remind people their home winning streak is still active. Ah, nice. So I think it's at 15. So keep going. Great hockey. Free beer. It's a couple of local places. Goolsby's, Stenny's, yeah. and let's see if I can find it while good I... Choices. Yeah. Yeah, good choices. Yeah, good choices. My grab bag is Doc Rivers appears to have the Bucks on the upswing. Speaking of Four sports straights, that people yeah. watch. It's the all-star break. Holding teams down. The it defense took a little is while to figure it out. 
Dame was uh, news this week. Dame Lillard was un- is a little bit unhappy because he misses Portland. Sazes at one p.m. Sazes. Stenny's uh, two Goolsby's three. Not bad. That's, that's, Friday that's a trifecta of, uh, of greatness for Milwaukee restaurants and bars. That's that's a good one. All right, gentlemen. So the weekend's coming. What do you think's going to happen next week? You only got about twenty seconds. What's gonna, the big story next week? Super Tuesday. Trump runs the table. Runs the table. No, yeah. What about it? Haley's going to exceed expectations across the board, but he runs the table. Will she drop out after Super Tuesday? No chance. No chance she's dropping out? No chance. What's the wow. next date she goes to? I've got friends that are helping her on the fundraising side who said it's never been easier to raise money for her. Ooh, I like that. Let's tee that one up on our next get-together. Which might be next Friday, but it might not. We'll decide. Uh, i got to go golfing. We'll see. See? <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Huffy <laughs> jumping in lakes, percussion, <laughs> golfing. What a world. You going spelunking? What a world. I'm going, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm moving furniture for Pete's sake. Bill McCosh and Joseph Becky, Political Power Hour on WTMJ.